Well, praise the Lord, everybody. I am Evangelist Janice Nelson, and I want to welcome you to season three of Broken Vessels Mended and Whole, a weekly women's Bible study podcast. Today is Sabbath Sunday, January 29th, the year of our Lord, 2023. In this Bible study podcast, we address various issues that break the spirit of women and then seek to promote women's spiritual wholeness and well-being with lessons learned from the word of God. Ladies, let's pray. Our God and our Father, we bow our heads and humble ourselves before your throne of mercy and of grace. As we begin our Bible study, we ask you to join us in the study of your word. Anoint my lips of clay so that your word goes forth in spirit and in truth. Hide me behind the shadow of your cross so that you only are seen and heard in this Bible study. Anoint us with strength and self-care today and always. Bless us with patience and wisdom. Encourage us to choose your way and to behave well. Lord, lift us up for your blessing today. Will you bind the powers of the spirit of darkness so that not one evil deed will be met against this ministry or these your people. Bless each person within the sound of my voice and be glorified. In Jesus' name, we ask all of these things and give you thanks even now for answer prayer counted as done by faith and in accordance to your word. Ladies, each person grieves in very different and individual ways because each person's grief is both personal and unique. Grief can be a highly emotional experience that involves many, even contradictory emotions such as anger, guilt, loneliness, sadness, or yearning for the person who died, leaving us with a broken spirit. Our expressions of grief might mirror these inner feelings through crying, rage, or withdrawal. And many people find it helpful to express and explore these emotions. Others may grieve with less intense emotions by expressing their grief in a more cognitive way, such as thinking about the person often. These types of grievers may find it comforting to be active in projects such as managing a scholarship fund to honor their deceased loved one. These different ways or patterns of grief are just that, different, and no way or pattern of grief is better or worse. They are simply expressions of each person's personal way of coping with loss. The type of relationship loss influences the reaction of the survivor because the needs, responsibilities, hopes, and expectations associated with each type of relationship vary, and the personal meanings and social implications of each type of death also differs. For example, it is assumed that the death of a spouse is experienced differently from the death of a child. Today, I want to talk about how we can overcome grief and heal our broken spirit following the death of a family member, whether a spouse, a child, a parent, or a sibling. Join me in a leap of faith of trusting God and his word to transform our bodies, our minds, our hearts, and our spirit as we take an exciting journey of self-care because self-care equals self-love. And to that end, today's episode is titled Overcome Grief. Before we get started, if you are currently grieving the death of a loved one, please accept my sincere condolences. 
lesser our study today with the death of a spouse. The intensity and persistence of the pain associated with this type of bereavement, I think, is due to the emotional intimacy of the marital bond between husbands and wives. Spouses are co-managers of home and family. They are sexual partners and they work together as peers in pursuit of mutual knowledge and or practice within social units. When one spouse dies, the relationship ends, but not all of the relational bonds. As such, the remaining spouse may continue to feel connected to his or her deceased spouse or partner which results in a sense of abandonment that can cause one to feel that the relationship is ongoing, but with an absent partner. In addition, husbands and wives collaborate in defining their marital policies, such as how money should be used, where to live, how they should, uh, if they should have children, how should their children be raised, etc. So when one spouse dies, the surviving spouse must make plans alone, shoulder and manage the family financial responsibilities while compensating for the absent partner's contribution or perhaps enter the workforce and take on unfamiliar or familiar tasks that were previously divided between the spouses. Championship in such, um, excuse me, championship, companionship in such marriages consist of sharing daily routines, outings, and bad activities, which themselves can facilitate well-being. In other uh, relationships, marriage is characterized by an intense sharing of intimate lives. In all cases, the death of a spouse necessitates finding substitute companions or tolerating a lonelier life, while the loss of a spouse who had, had been a best friend represents additional impoverishment. Some widows lose interest in sex as one aspect of grief and are celibate for some time after their spouse's death. And with the passage of time, some might experience some unsatisfied yearnings. Finally, the death of a spouse will more than likely alter the surviving spouse's social role and standing in their various communities as widows and widowers become excluded from social activities with other couples. Widows who had participated in leisure activities as members of a couple and uh, widowers who had uh, relied on their wives to arrange their social lives may find that bereavement ushers in a time of social marginality. Survivors who have trouble establishing new friendships may likely experience feelings of isolation. Let's talk about the death of a child. If you have ever attended a funeral of a child, you know that this can be one of the most heart-wrenching experiences for everyone involved. I think this is because losing a child, whether from an accident, disease, suicide, or some criminal act like murder, conflicts with our cycle of life expectations. Parents are not supposed to bury their children. In addition, children are dearly loved and take on symbolic importance in terms of general uh, uh, generativity and hope 
for the future. Childbearing involves decisions, conscious or otherwise, about how to shape a healthy person who will one day be happy, be a happy and creative adult. Um, all parents have hopes and dreams about their children's future. And when their child dies, the hopes and dreams die too. And some amount of guilt and self-blame are especially profi- uh, pronounced following the death of a child. Grief that might become a psychological risk factor for the surviving parent. Worse yet, the death of a child can have a devastating effect on a marriage. For couples with a history of good communication and for those able to develop those skills, a child's death might strengthen the relationship. But it is not uncommon for marriages to break down under the strain imposed by a child's death or even a child's illness. Parents may also feel particularly threatened by the sense of vulnerability and helplessness associated with a child's death. Uh, When a child dies, parents realize the limits of their protective powers and may feel haunted by this realization. Let's talk about the death of a parent. The death of a parent is the most common type of bereavement for uh, in adulthood. And it's such a a serious life event that it can lead to a measurable um, degree of symptomatic uh, uh, distress. The death of of the second parent might cause the child to bereave the loss of the specific relationship and being stripped of all living parents might reactivate mourning, the mourning process for the earlier uh, parental death. So how an adult responds to bereavement depends on, um, on their prior experiences with loss, including those ex- uh, um, experienced during childhood. The death of a parent could have uh, many meanings uh, uh, for an adult child. For example, for those who perceive their uh, mothers and fathers as caretakers, providers of praise and permission givers, given uh, even at the um, uh, after the parent had been had to be physically cared for themselves, the death might mean loss of security. For others, it might mean a loss of perfect, unconditional love that one experienced only as a child. A subtle role change often occurs when um, adult children's parents uh, dies. Uh, The death is often experienced as a developmental push propelling the adult into the next stage of life. Uh, It's well known anecdotally that many adults upon the loss of their parents suddenly feel the weight of responsibility as the oldest generation of the family. This coupled with the awareness that there are no longer parents to fall back on may affect a more mature stance in um, parentality bereaved adults who um, no longer think of themselves as children. Let's talk about the death of a sibling. Um, The special characteristic unique to the sibling bond and the empathy siblings form for one another when they are young might continue into adult life, which would take this relationship or make this relationship profoundly important. The quality of the pre-existing relationship with the deceased is likely to color an individual's perception and experience of the loss. 
The seeds of the sibling relationship are planted in childhood, but the same characteristics that uh, were salient then continue to affect the nature of sibling adult relationships. Sibling death may be difficult to resolve if previous identification with the deceased sibling was too close or fused, or if it was too polarized and rejecting. Although the intensity of such closeness or hostility will probably be attenuated by the time siblings reach adulthood, such feelings could complicate grief reactions. Another factor that may influence the response to sibling loss is the cause of death. A surviving sibling may find it more difficult to accept the loss of a sibling if the sister or brother died of an illness to which the survivor may also be genetically predisposed or be a carrier, which would place the bereaved uh, children at risk. Uh, anxiety following a sibling's death may be particularly acute among the elderly uh, if it exacerbates an already present fear of one's own impending death. Whether you have lost a spouse, a child, a parent, or a sibling to death, you are probably devastated and wrestling with a broken spirit. The loss may have left you angry and trying to make sense of it all. You ask over and over again, why did this happen? What will life be like without the person you lost? It would be great if there was an easy explanation that would cover all situations and answer every question. But unfortunately, we don't always understand why or when death happens, especially when it seems senseless or evil. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7, the Bible talks about the mystery of inequity. It says, for the mystery of inequity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. This scripture suggests that there is a mystery to some of the things we experience, um, even when a loved one passes away. The loss of a spouse, a parent, a child, or a sibling is a very is very painful. God allows us to have a grieving process so that we can cope with the pain. He knows our anguish, our grief, and our anger. He knows exactly how we feel. And how how do we how do we know this? We know it because God's only Son, Jesus Christ, also died. He suffered and died on a cross so that you could be, you and I could be at peace with God. He understands our heartache and wants to surround us with his love if we will let him. For those who trust in Jesus, the sadness of losing a loved one is only temporary. Not only did he make, he, God, make a way for us to experience indescribable joy in heaven, but he promises to help us through our grief on earth. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, Jesus says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. This is part of the Beatitudes, and it describes the character of kingdom citizens. In this scripture, Jesus does not just speak of casual sorrow, but of the consequences of our, for the consequences of our sin, but for 
of our deep grief before God. To mourn is the word used for mourning the dead. It is the passionate lament for one who was loved. Those who mourn shall be comforted comforted, and they will know something very special of God, and that is the fellowship of his suffering. Grief can exact a heavy toll on a person's health. People are more likely to die when they are in mourning than in ordinary times. Have you ever heard of the widow wood effect? It is the increase in the probability of a person dying during a relatively short period after their longtime spouse has died. How many of us have seen this happen? This is partly due to the negative changes that can affect the heart during mourning. Grief activates the nervous system, including the part that triggers the body's flight or fight response, which when overly stimulated has been linked directly to heart failure. So losing a loved one is not just painful, it can be life-threatening. Overcoming grief um, following the death of a loved one is not easy. There are five stages that we all go through. First, there is denial, which gives our heart time to adjust to the death. When we go through this phase, we hope that our loved one is coming back to us. And second, we feel angry and resentful because of the pain associated with our being separated from our loved one. And third, we become depressed or saddened because we are beginning to accept the fact that our loved one is not coming back. We may spend time in quiet reflection and in solitude. This is probably a good time to be with family and friends who want to love us and support us during this difficult time. Being left in silence for too long can be extremely painful as it involves a loss of connection, love, intimacy, and sometimes even family participation. It can also feel unfair and unkind, leading to anger and further um, fight and, and fighting. When we are grieving, our family and friends can help steer us away from destructive activities or, or habits um, like overeating or turning to drugs and or alcohol or self-medicating in an effort to dull the pain. And finally, acceptance. Where When we piece together the events that um, led up to the death, tuck our loved ones away in a special place in our heart, reserved just for them, and let the pain of our loss subside and the wounds heal. Overcoming the sadness and brokenness that overtakes and accompanies the death of a loved one um, means we must accept the reality of the loss. In order to accept the loss, we, we have to overcome denial, allow ourselves to feel the hurt and the anger, seek professional help if needed, we need it, and allow those who love us um, to help us deal with the depress depression and sadness. We must also uh, realize and accept that our loved one is physically dead. Activities such as viewing the body after death, attending the funeral and burial services, and 
visiting the place where the body is laid to rest can all aid in this process. It's also helpful to spend time openly talking about the deceased person or the circumstances surrounding the death. As we grapple grapple with the reality of death, we embrace the consolation of knowing that the spiritual life of the believer goes on and that we do not grieve as those who have no hope. First Thessalonians chapter four, verse 13 says, but I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Sleep was a common way to express death in the ancient world, but among pagans, it was almost always seen as an eternal sleep. Christians call death sleep, but they emphasize the idea of rest. Early Christians began to call their burial places cemeteries, which means dormitories or sleeping places. Yet the Bible never describes the death of the unbeliever as sleep, for there is no rest, peace, or comfort for them in death. The Apostle Paul used idioms common in his day to refer to death as sleep. But it does not prove the erroneous idea of soul sleep that the present dead and Christ are in a state of suspended animation waiting for a resurrection to consciousness. Since to depart from this world in death to be with Christ is described by Paul as very far better. You can find that in Philippians chapter 1 verse 23 than the present state of blessed communion with the Lord and blessed activity in his service. It is evident that sleep as applied to believers cannot be intended to teach that the soul is unconscious. Today, Christians call death sleep, but they emphasize the idea of rest. However, the Bible never describes the death of the unbeliever as sleep. Okay. Losing a loved one is one of the most difficult things we can ever go through. And no matter how many times we experience it, it never gets easier. When it comes to moving on in life after the death of a loved one, there are healthy steps we can take to get through our grief. Remember that grief is not a bad thing, but rather an emotion that makes us human and shows how deeply we care for the person. Grief is an extension of love, um, but our loved ones would not want us to spend the rest of our life in mourning. We must learn to move on because for the living, life really does go on. So how do we move on following the death of a loved one? Well, first we have to eradicate guilt. Do not allow guilt to be part of your grieving process. Even if your relationship with your loved one was not what it used to be, or you had a major falling out that you wish you could erase, regardless of why you are feeling guilty, it is a hindrance to learning how to move on in life. It can also be infectious to the point of debilitation. So remove all blame and guilt from your life surrounding your loved ones. 
This includes not feeling guilty for grieving. People will accept that your process is unique and one that you must go through. Second, invest your energies and resources in positive self-care while managing your way through grief without being reckless or self-sabotaging by focusing on yourself. Take time off of work to travel, work on hobbies, focus on your health and fitness, or just take a week to relax and embrace the change in your life. Third, know that it is okay to feel because no one is unaffected by grief. It is natural to feel a strong surge of emotion days, weeks, and months after your loss. It's okay. Just allow yourself the grace to feel your way through your emotions. You don't need to hide or bury them. Just find healthy ways to express them. For ask for and accept support, it is much easier to move on when we have family and friends to lean on, they were generally offered you their support. Take it and know that you are not a burden or a chore. You are a person who is grieving the loss of a loved one. Also consider finding a grief counselor who can help you work through your feelings. Finally, although grief will always be present, it does not have to rule your life. Understand that you will always feel pain and remembrance of losing your loved one. However, Learning how to move on in life remind, uh, means overcoming the urge to become complacent in a space of overwhelming, debilitating grief. Don't allow yourself to become apathetic to life. That is the last thing your loved ones would have wanted. First Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 4 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. This is God's promise to comfort us in the midst of pain, no matter what you are facing, if you or someone you know is hurting, draw close to the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, overcome grief and behold. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Broken Vessels, Mended and Whole. If this ministry has been a blessing to you and you want to support it, we have several ways in which you can do that. First, via the Tidely app at Broken Vessels, Mended and Whole. Second, at GiveLify, G-I-V-E-L-I-F-Y.com. You may donate to Broken Vessels, Hyphen, Mended and Whole. Or you may mail whatever gifts of love you feel led to give to Broken Vessels, Mended and Whole. We are a 501c3 nonprofit religious organization located at P.O. Box 34637, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Please join me next week for another episode of Broken Vessels, Mended and Whole. In the meantime, take good care and may God continue to bless you and all those you hold near and dear. Amen.